Turn to your neighbor and say, you sing better than you used to. <laughs> I'm telling you, you were singing really good today. That was really fun. I love it. Thanks for jumping in, entering in. It's so fun to have you here with us at Timberline today. I have met, I don't know how many students who are here to go to college, and uh, we just welcome all of our students. Don't we love students around here? I just thank God for them. They add such life and just makes a difference. Really fun. And uh, we really are happy that you are here with us, each of you. Some of you, maybe it's your first time to be in Timberline, and that's always a challenge because you don't know what to expect in a new church. You don't always know the songs, but please make yourself at home. There's a connection card, looks like this. It's in the chair back in front of you. Take one out, fill it out, and uh, drop it in the offering later. If you put a good email address on there and you want to know more about Timberline Ministries, um, and you check any of the boxes on the back of this card, what we do is we just electronically email you information about the ministries you've asked for. So we don't plan on coming over, calling you, or bug you, so don't be afraid to fill this card out, all right? And drop it in the offering at the end. We're really happy you're here. There are many wonderful Bible-believing churches in northern Colorado, and we really want you in one of them, okay, where your gifts can be deployed to make a difference in the kingdom. So if it's Timberline, great. If not, God will help you find a church where you can really plug in. Hey, make sure you have a bulletin. Hopefully you received one when you came in. We don't really give many announcements at Timberline, so we expect you to read this stuff. It's great stuff coming up, events, retreats. And then the tables in the mall, for those of you that are new, let me explain this. Um, we have 12 tables today. And what that is is tables over on the east side of the mall area, out in the lobby area. And the numbers coincide with the table. So let's say you have an interest in women's upcoming events or Celebrate Recovery or the food pantry, whatever. You can go out there and talk to somebody, ask questions, sign up to serve, get involved, invest if you just have questions. So that's what Tables in the Mall are all about. So please, after we're done here, go out there and look around and see. We have a midweek service that's going to kick back in on September 5th. And we've changed the time. We heard from some parents of young kids, and they said, if we can be out of here at 8 o'clock, it would help us get our kids to bed. So we're going to start at 6.45, used to be 7, and that'll start September 5th, Wednesday nights, right here in this room for some uh, teaching in God's Word. So I hope that you'll, you'll be here for that. Um, I think that's about it. We definitely want you to make sure, if you want to facilitate a small group, regardless of age, we need young adult groups. Uh, high school groups, uh, adult groups, prime timer groups. If you would be willing to facilitate a small group that we will train you for, it follows the series on the weekends. And so we teach it, and then we have questions and a guide for you to take the small group through. If you'd be willing to do that, fill out one of these cards. It's in the chair back in front of you, and we'll contact you, okay, and train you and get you going. So please don't be afraid to do that. Hey, uh, the last thing that I want to just share with you is a, it's a real big deal what's coming up next Saturday. How many of you have heard of Sharing Hope Day? Wait a minute. Okay, good. A lot of you are already plugged in. We, we are really wanting to be a good host. We have partnered with Convoy of Hope for years now. Convoy is a first response team organization for disasters in the world. We do our one-day offering, remember that? Or we give one day's wage for the poor and the marginalized in the world, and you guys have stepped up for years. Well, Convoy has so many churches in the Fort Collins area and northern Colorado that are doing that. They said, we want to do a one-day and bring our trucks and food, and we want to bless Fort Collins. So they're going to be here next Saturday at the uh, corner of Vine and LeMay. There's a big field there, and we expect thousands of people from this community 
The high-risk areas, the poverty areas, the challenged areas of Fort Collins are all being invited to this area for food, for haircuts, for job fair training, for medical. So many of you as doctors, nurses have signed up to help us. Watch this little video, it's just about a minute, and it'll give you a feel for what we're trying to do next Saturday. At Convoy of Hope, we're going into communities throughout America and embracing those in need by mobilizing churches, local governments, businesses, and volunteers. Our community outreaches can accomplish what none of us can do alone. We're changing communities by individually connecting with thousands. And while it may seem we're providing the most basic of human needs, we're actually giving guests so much more. We're giving them hope. It was a huge event. It was a lot of people there, a lot of friendly faces. I mean, a lot of people that will greet you. As soon as you walk through the gate, they're there to greet you. My needs and my family's needs, they didn't just stop at prayer. They made it happen. A job, all the things that I needed at the time, they, they fully met it. Over the course of a single event, faces light up, prayers are lifted, and inspiration is found. All because they know someone truly cares. When you partner with Convoy of Hope, you join a movement that lasts long after the tents come down and the trucks roll away. So when I heard that they were coming back again, well, we couldn't wait, Jill. We're going to be there. This time, we're going to help. We're going we're gonna to get us some t-shirts, and we're going to go, and we're going to help. For the thousands that attend our community outreaches, this is a day that can impact their tomorrow. This is about progress. This is about tomorrow. This is about eternity. And it all starts now. This photo represents the day that changed our lives, a day of hope. Wow, isn't that fun? I'm really excited about it. We're going to make a difference with people, and I hope you'll be here. Here's how it's going to happen. Next Friday night, this coming Friday night, right here in this room, we have invited all the churches that are partnering with us, which is a lot of churches, to come for the kind of get ready for tomorrow day. So Friday night, you just need to show up here. And Convoy will be here. They'll go through about an hour training. It's kind of a pep rally and some ideas and where we're going on Saturday. And then on Saturday at 7 a.m., we'll show up out there. They'll assign us where we want to go. If you want to pre-sign up, go to the table in the mall. Otherwise, we will deploy you literally on site and say, hey, can you hand out groceries in line four at tent 12 or whatever? So it's going to be very organized. Sometimes, you guys, I'll say one more thing and I'll move on. Sometimes writing the check is the easiest thing we do. And this is about getting our hands in there. It's about touching and caring for people. It's about being there. And I, we need about 700 volunteers just from Timberline to make this happen. So please take it serious. Show up Friday night and then Saturday morning. We would love to have you. All right, let's dive into the message. We have been in a, a series called Eyewitness News. Uh, we have been going verse by verse through the book of Mark since the first weekend of January. And I have loved this. It's been a blast. We're learning. We're growing. The back of your bulletin has an outline. If you would like to follow alone, along, please do that. Finish this lyric. I can see clearly now. <laughs> How did you know that? That was pretty good. Isn't it amazing how one line and one tune triggers this whole thing and, and it just comes out of you. How many of you have never even heard that song? We're going to pray for you later, okay? <laughs> Kidding. Um, it, it's, it's, this, it's this wonderful thing. It's this line. I can see clearly now the rain is what? Gone. 
Now, this, this story in the Bible is a very unique story. As a matter of fact, you'll appreciate this from a couple weeks ago if you were here when we talked about spittle. Remember that? Okay, there are three instances in the Bible where Jesus uses saliva to heal somebody. And I got stuck with two out of three of them in three weeks, okay? So feel sorry for me, please, say a prayer. Um, but we're not gonna focus on the spittle this time. There's a, this is a crazy story. Jesus spits in this guy's eyes who is blind. And then he touches him, the Bible says. I believe he put his hand over his eye sockets. And he prayed for him. And when he said to the man, can you see? The man said, yes, I can see, but, but I can't see clearly. It's blurry. I see men walking like trees. And so Jesus prays again. And then his sight is completely restored. Now that creates a theological problem. Is Jesus like at half power that day? Is he, is he just, what, what's the purpose of that? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Because theologically, I think there's some really neat things we can look at. But I want to plant this seed now and we'll dive into the outline. Pastor Dick Fof last weekend talked to you about the, he titled his message, How Many Times Have I Shown You? And if you were here, you remember they get in the boat to cross the lake and Jesus talks about yeast and they're worried because they didn't bring any bread. And he says, do you have any bread? And they say no. And, and they think he's upset with them because they didn't have any bread. Finally, Jesus says, why are you talking about bread? It has nothing to do with why I ask you the question. Here's the point. They had blurry vision about the kingdom of God. They did not see clearly. How many times did Jesus have to say, let me explain it again? And I, I, I today, I want us to just open our hearts and minds right now before we dive into this outline to say, God, I want to see clearly. When you pray that, you're taking a risk because sometimes clear vision confronts you and you know there are changes in your life, in your habits, in your patterns that you need to change or you're not going to walk down the path God's called you to. Other times, clear vision brings you such relief because you're just confused and it's blurry and you don't know what to do. And if you did, you would. So either side of that or both today, open your heart to where we're going. Number one in your outline, friends are once again involved in the miracle. Friends are once again involved in this miracle. How many times do we read in the Bible that friends bring people to Jesus to be touched by him? A couple weeks ago, this man had a speech impediment and he was deaf, remember? And it said his friends brought him to Jesus asking him to lay hands on them. Look at verse 22. We're in Mark chapter 8. Open your Bible. Just leave it open if you want to. We'll walk verse by verse. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought, I love that, some people. Who were they? Were they family? Were they friends? Well, these people cared about this blind man. They brought the blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and to heal him. Being blind, I cannot imagine it. And the challenges of that would be huge. I was standing at a traffic light yesterday crossing a street, and I hit the little button, you know, that gives you the, the signal, and I'm watching for the little walk sign. And the same time the walk sign came on, this chirping sound came on for people who are blind, who can hear the sound. And I thought, what a wonderful day and age. Guess what? In Jesus' day, there were no ramps for pe people with disabilities. There were no chirping sounds. It was tough to be blind, and you pretty much had to have someone lead you in that environment that they lived in and the paths that they walked. 
So this was a huge challenge. And these friends took the time to bring this man to where Jesus was. It just I pose a question and we'll move on. How many spiritually blind people do you cross paths with and are you willing to take them to where Jesus is? Are you willing to take the effort? That's why I love this Sharing Hope event. Is we're going to go touch people, help people, encourage people, give food and haircuts and stuff. We're going to make a difference with them. Why? The love of God in us has to come out in this way. Let's be a friend that knows where Jesus is and brings people there. Number two, who will I trust to lead me? A really fun thing happens in the story, and I love how Jesus handles this. Because this man is blind, remember, and in verse 23, it says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand. I love this. He took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the village. Now, I don't know, you guys, if the blind man, let's say he's standing right here. I don't know if he's, you know, doing this, like, you know, they're telling him Jesus is coming, and he's lifting up his hands, or if he's just standing there. But I just, in my mind, I can just see Jesus take him, taking him by the hand and saying, walk with me. And, and they start to walk, and Jesus is leading him. And it takes trust. It takes trust to follow somebody who's leading you. I've, I've been to a couple different retreats where you have a partner, and they blindfold you. Have you ever done this? How many of you have done this? And they lead you around? Oh, man. You better pray to God you don't have a mean partner. Right? <laughs> because you are trusting them and you're walking in faith that they will not lead you into a tree or something like that. So you're walking along. This man was beginning to trust Jesus. That's the journey of our faith. Jesus takes our hand and we begin to blindly trust. We begin to walk with him. This story really pulls that out. And it's, it's a challenge because right now some of you are going through stuff. It's really hard to trust anybody. And Jesus has your hand, but you're not wanting to go. I, uh, I love horses, don't have any right now. I'm glad I don't. But we lived on some acreage early on, and uh, we had some horses. And I, I bought a horse from CSU and, and uh, the equine science area, and I named her Colorado. She was a beautiful chocolate paint mare, quarter horse, uh, real big and strong, and just, just a gentle but highly spirited horse, not broke, and took her home and and just begin to work with her. And it was the funnest thing to watch this horse learn to trust me. And I didn't have to ever be mean. I just had to be gentle and train this horse and walk with this horse. And I'll never forget the day we were, I took Colorado, I named her Colorado, that I took Colorado on a trail ride where she had her first experience with wooden bridges. If you're a horse person, you understand what's about to happen here. But the minute her hooves hit that wooden, those wooden planks and it goes clank, clank, she just bolted back and backed up off of it. And, and um, I got off and I said, we're going to do this. And I took the reins and I began to walk with her. She put her feet up there and I'd back her up. And then we'd do it again. She realized it wasn't going to kill her. So finally I get all four of her feet up there and she's going, <laughs> scared to death. Why? She's never done this before. This is new. This is risky. This is a bridge. Where am I going? Where's it leading? Is it safe? Is it right? That's exactly what happens to us when we walk with Jesus. Sometimes we come to that place and we say, I don't want to do this. I, I don't like this diagnosis. I, well, why is my relationship having this happen? And Jesus says, let me lead you. Follow me. Come on. Well, he doesn't really do that. but <laughs> Had to throw that in for the horse effect. You know what I mean? 
We learn by trusting when we have blind spots that Jesus wants the best for us. And he does. So follow him. Let him lead you. I love that part of the story. Number three, is this half of a miracle? Okay, we've got to ask the question. We've got to talk some theology here for just a moment. So, so bear with me. Let's walk through this because why does it go wrong? Why does it take two prayers instead of one? Let's look at it. It says, then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and he asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around and said, yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Now, you would know that there's a problem. Why? How many of you believe Jesus could have healed that man completely with one prayer? He's fully God. Jesus can do it. So I believe that too. Theoretically, theologically, he's God. Some scholars disagree. There are tons of thoughts about this. There are seven times in the New Testament that someone is healed of blindness. And Jesus uses different methods. So he's not stuck with a certain method. Um, this is kind of a gradual two-stage healing. I believe Jesus knows what he's doing. Some think that the man wasn't healed the first time because of the fact that it was near Bethsaida. Bethsaida was known as a place of lack of faith, lack of belief. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 6, a couple chapters earlier, if you flip back and look at like verse 5 and following, you'll see that this is what's said about that area, that region. Because of their unbelief, Jesus couldn't do in any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on some sick people and heal them. Look at this. He was amazed at their unbelief. So faith is connected somehow to what Jesus was able to accomplish in this region. I don't fully get that. But some scholars would say Bethsaida was a dark place. Some even say, and I, I personally like this, that's why Jesus took the man by the hand and led him out of that village to take him to a new place. That's what Jesus does. Others suggested a lack of faith by the man himself. Maybe he just didn't believe. He was blind. He'd gotten used to his life, and his friends are talking him into it, and he's not interested. I don't know. But I think the best explanation would be connected, because if you read it in context with what you heard about last week with the story of the bread, uh, the feeding of the 4,000, what's happening here is Jesus might be wanting to prove a point to the disciples. They're watching this. And so he prays for this man, can you see? And this man says, well, I can see, but I can't see clearly. Well, what has he just been teaching his disciples, these last stories? He's been constantly saying, you guys need to open your eyes. I think in this moment he might have looked back at his disciples and gave them a wink <laughs> to kind of say, this is just like you guys. You, you see partly, but you don't see fully. You see a little bit, but it's blurry, and that creates confusion and challenge. And I think of my life, I think of your life, I think of where we are in life, you guys. There are stages in our lives when it's blurry, and we just can't see clearly. And I think Jesus is wanting to identify with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, it talks about how we see now. It says, we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. And the way we view light, we, we don't have all, we can't grasp all. 
We're, we're human, we're flesh, and we need the Spirit of God to quicken us so that we can see clearly. So I think Jesus was trying to make this point. I want to see clearly. What are the blind spots in my life? Well, let's move on. Number four, persistence and consistency usually bring clarity. Now, the reason I said usually is because I don't want to leave you with the impression that you just keep doing what you've always done and you just do it, you know, uh, more and harder. Sometimes you have to stop and change what you're doing. But I'll tell you what, Jesus notices consistency and persistency. There are many miracles in the Bible where Jesus says, who touched me? Boy, that's faith. Wow, your son is healed. He recognizes this determination. So let's talk about it. Verse 25. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. Say this next word with me. Again. Say it one more time. Again. I love that line. He places hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were restored, and they were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. <laughs> you know, I love the fact that when the guy answered the first time, Jesus didn't say, oh, well, that's the best I can do, chap. <laughs> I tried. No, Jesus prayed again. What does that teach us about our faith? Sometimes we need to pray again. We need to try again. We need to say it again. We need to believe again. We need to explain it again. Trust again. Express it again. Again. Some of you are there right now. Well, I've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Again. Jesus prayed again. There's a life lesson here. We, we can't stop trying. I, I love a little life lesson that I, I watched happen last Sunday. My wife, Bonnie's birthday was last Sunday. And she's been through quite a bit of loss of both of her parents in the last 15 months. And her dad just died. And so we said, let's, let's get her up on the mountain and go camping. And so Ryan flew in from Arizona and, and uh, all of our kids were there. And so this is tent camping, okay? Now, we were in a campground, so it was fairly modern compared to what we're usually used to. But tent camping, as I get older, it's tougher. And then you see the motorhomes lined up in the spaces and the... <laughs> RVs, you know, they've got the hot tubs filling up out in the back. I just want to tell you, that's not camping. That is not camping, okay? Uh, that's what I would rather do, but that's not camping. And so, so, so uh, we've got, you know, Erica's, Eric and Brent have their tent. Brookie's got her tent. Ryan's got his tent. Bonnie and I have our tent. We're, we got this. We got the campfire. We're having a great time and a lot of laughter. And I get up early one morning and I'm sitting by the fire and I'm sitting in a camping chair, okay? And, um, I look down and it's, it's like this sand kind of, they, they put these, where you put your tents, they put this sand kind of stuff down. <laughs> I see this ant and this ant, I, I kid you not, it had a piece of something that was two times bigger than the ant. It, it really was. I don't know if it was like a piece of bread or uh, the, the crumb or what, but it was massive compared to the ant. And I was so intrigued by this. I saw this big thing moving on the ground and then I saw this ant like, biting into it, and, and then it was like spinning out in the sand. Like it couldn't go. The thing would fall down and block the ants, and he's trying, and he's trying. So he, he goes around to the other side, and he's dragging it along. And, he's, and I'm getting sad. I'm like, Jesus, help the ant. This poor ant, he's trying to feed his babies probably somewhere. 
And I'm just watching this whole thing, and he's making a little progress, and then he digs another hole, and then he tries to get in there, and he's over here struggling. And then I see from way over here this other little ant. He comes over to help him. I'm not kidding. And they both, I wish I had a video of this. They both grabbed a hold of that big whatever it was, and they started walking together side by side, carrying this big piece of whatever. And I thought, I have witnessed a miracle. This is a moment I, and they did it. And they're probably halfway around the globe now, just still walking, just going wherever they're going. That persistence and that consistency is compelling. When, when you're friends, when you, when you don't give up and you say, I'm going to believe God, I'm going to get through this, I'm going to find a way, people will rally with you. God will show up at your side. There's something about that tenacious desire that God loves. Have that kind of a heart. Number four, or number five, Jesus sends him on a new path. It's one of my favorite parts of the story. Just amazing moment. Because Jesus understood the problem. Now look at verse 26. Jesus sent him on his way saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. What's your best guess as to why? Don't go back there. Just think about it for a minute. There's several options. Remember in the story, constantly he's saying to people, don't tell anybody about your healing because it makes his life complicated when he goes to the next village and hundreds of people are there waiting for him. That could be one reason. <clears throat> what about Bethsaida? Do you remember what we talked about? It's a place of no faith. It's a place of no vision. It's a place where people perish. I love the fact that Jesus says, don't go back to that place. For some of you today, Satan constantly takes you back to that place. He takes you back to the place where you're blind. He takes you back to that place of no faith. He wants you to see your scars. He wants you to get under that shame blanket. He wants it damp, dark, and cold. He wants you to feel rejected by God. Don't go back to that place. Don't go there. There is a new path. God has said, don't go there. Go here. And I can just see this man who now can see, discovering a new path maybe that he's never walked on before. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love the fact that he gets it? Some of you need to hear that today. Don't you go back to that place of no faith. Don't you let the circumstances in life drag you back down to where you were. Bust out of that pattern. Get your head up and start walking and let God touch you and follow him on this new path. Think about that. I, I, I put some observations that I'm gonna just bullet through really quick to, to wrap this up. When I do observations in a message, which I don't always do, it almost always starts in my study at home where I'm just writing down bullet points I want, I want to have. And I'll put them on a little card and just put them in my office so I look at them for five days. That's what I do. And uh, I wanted to include them today because I hope you'll put these in front of you. These are just observations from the story. Number one, be willing to walk with Jesus when you feel blind. I, I, I learned that from this story. I I, I, I'm amazed at this man. What if that man, when Jesus took his hand, would have said, no, I don't want you to take me by the hand. I don't, I don't want you to lead me anywhere. Well, we wouldn't be talking about it today. But he was willing 
in his blindness to let Jesus lead him. I must be willing to walk with Christ. Even if he wants to lead me to a new place, I must be willing. Even if it's over a wooden plank bridge and it's a new noise and it's a new sound, even if it's scary, even if I don't like it, I must trust him. Trust him. Number two, be honest about what you see. I love this takeaway in the story because wouldn't it have been something if the guy would have, when Jesus first prays for him and everything's blurry, if he would have said, hey, that's good enough. <laughs> you know what? Half sight's better than no sight. So thank you. I'm on my way. Don't pray again and mess it up. You know, you know what I mean? But no, he was honest. He said, well, it's okay. I do see, but it's blurry. And, and sometimes we come to God with sort of this half, well, you know, I can live with it. And I think God has a better plan for you than that. He really does. And he wants your eyes to be open fully so that you can see clearly and you can grasp where he's taking you. Don't compromise. Be honest. And being honest also means I recognize the truth in my life. And I'm not going to lie to God. Well, I'm okay. I mean, you know, I'm drinking every night and just about getting drunk five times a week, but I'm okay. I can work through it. No, you can't. No, you can't. Be honest. You can't, you cannot go forward on the path God has for you unless you are honest. That's huge. Number three, be patient when life gets blurry. The guy didn't freak out. He just stated it like it was. And he let Jesus pray again. I love that. I don't know. I'm not that patient. You guys, we live, we live like in an instant culture. Everything's instant. It's a throwaway culture. You just pull it out of the package and throw it away. It's just it's amazing to me, and I, I don't know how to fix it, but I want to be patient when life is blurry. Sometimes I need to pray again. I need to say it again. I've had a blurry marriage before. Bonnie and I had to work at it again. I've been confused about God before, and I had to trust again. I've had, I've had relationships go bad and, and issues in my life and things, and I go, okay, got to do this again. Thought I had this figured out. Temptations come. They're real. We're, we're flesh and blood. Let's be the people who will say, when I have a blurry marriage, when I, my singleness makes me see life blurry and I'm compromising here and there because I long for this and that. Finances. You ever had a blurry season in your finances? Uh, your job. Your, just all these things. You've got lifestyle. Number four, finally, learn what to avoid and how to walk in a new direction. Learn what to avoid and how to walk in a new direction. This is a huge thing. I don't know if you guys have subtly noticed our subliminal message to you today. Has anybody? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Aha! Some of you are pretty sharp. This picture started out at point one being really blurry. You couldn't even tell what it was. And as we've walked through this today, it's become easy to see and brilliant and bright and crispy. That's what happens when we take the hand of Jesus and we learn how to walk in a new direction and we trust him. Don't go back to that place, but let him take you to the new path. He's calling you to that path right now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. So humbling. It's amazing that you love us this much. It's powerful. I love you, God. I love that you love us love that you care about. I love that you took this blind man by the hand and you walked around with him 
That's what you do for me. That's what you do for us. When I'm blind and I don't see, you're so willing to just walk with me. I'm, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and be really earnest before God today, whether it's tough because it's confronting or whether it's peaceful because it's enlightening. I want you to trust him. How many of you just need to be honest enough to say, I have a blurry place in my life right now, be it finances, marriage, whatever. I might not have even listed it, but it's blurry now. And you need God to bring clarity to your life. Would you hold up your hand, please? I just want to pray over you. Church, help me pray for these. Lord, we love our brothers and sisters. This is our family we're talking about here. And as we gather in the living room right now, there's this moment where we just feel like we're saying, would you come in a special way and help us? Would you bring revelation, knowledge, insight, a spiritual dimension that we cannot do out of flesh and blood, but that we can trust your spirit to quicken our minds, to bring the word of God to us. God, that you will put people in their path that will help them, that will partner with them, that will journey. Lord, we trust you to set their feet in a place that brings clarity to them. We pray again, we say it again, that they will have clarity in their life, that they will pursue you with their whole heart. Secondly, some of you, I know this because I've talked to some of you in the last few weeks, you're, God's really putting you on a new path but there's some bridges with planks you don't want to cross. There's some new patterns you're being asked. There's some things you've been asked to give up. There's some changes that are hard to make because of your life patterns. But this new path, you're taking seriously. And, and you're going you're gonna to do what it takes. And the discipline in your life that's needed to step up and say, I am being called by God to this new path. And I know it. I am not going back to that place. Raise your hand and let me pray over you if that's you. God bless you. Lord, we are determined not to be trapped by our past, not to be in that place of no faith and darkness. We are determined to walk on the path that you've instructed us to walk on. And I ask you for the fortitude, just for the strength to move forward, that your grace would be alive in us. Thank you, God. Lastly, some of you are being called by the Spirit of God to be a Jesus follower today. Now that's an interesting place to be. I really want you to think about it and I want you to open your heart to it because I can't do that to you. No one else can invite you to be a follower of Jesus. The Bible says the Spirit must draw you. And if you're being drawn by the Spirit, even though you might not understand scientifically the claims of Jesus, that's the journey he's calling you to. That's what faith is. It's stepping over that place and trusting that he'll reveal these things to you. Consequences happen either way. If you don't respond to that nudge of the Spirit, you have eternal consequence. If you do respond to that nudge, you have eternal consequence. And it's not a fear thing, it's an opportunity thing. It's a choice thing. And if you know God's prompting you to follow Him today, and you're recognizing that there is unconfessed sin in your life, and it's sin, and you need to just call it that. It's not okay with God. It doesn't please Him. But He's calling you to a new road, to, to die to self and follow Him. If you know that's you, I want to I lead you in a prayer. I won't embarrass you or ask you to come up here. I just want to lead you in a prayer and let you have a clean heart before God. If that's you, raise your hand, please. Okay. You can put them down. Anybody else? Thank you, guys. 
Say this, say it in your own words. It doesn't have to be these exact words. Lord, I give you my life. I feel convicted of my sin. Thank you for not just putting guilt or shame on me, but for calling me out of it. And I confess my sin to you right now. I give you, and you might just want to say those things that you know keep hounding you. I trust that your death on the cross and when you came back alive from that grave, that resurrection moment changes me now. I believe it. I confess it. And I want to live in that new path. And I trust you. Help me to forgive myself, to move on, and to trust you for all of eternity. Thank you for the peace of God. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Wow, you guys. Love you. Proud of you. I thank God for you. I want you to know something. We've come out of a few months with our pastors and really doing some strat ops and really looking at Timberline at every level. I'm very excited about our future. This church is not about entertaining you. This church is not about trying to be slick and polished. Timberline is called by God to facilitate God moments for people who need a hospital, but they're looking for a bar. And it's called to challenge Christians to go deep with God and to give your lives and to spend your lives for things that matter most. And I'm serious about it. And I want you to be serious about it. So we go into fall, we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of challenges. But let's be a church that brings the glory of God and the kingdom of God to this earth. You with me on that? Let's make a difference in how we live and what we do and what we proclaim. Amen. Ushers come. Amen. Let's tell him we love him. Lord, thank you. You are God. Amen. I can see clearly now. <laughs> Lord, thank you that we have clear days ahead. Thank you that when we seek you, we can find you. Thank you that when you touch us, our sight can be restored. And thank you that when we're honest, you will touch us again. We love you in your name. I would like our prayer team to come. Some of you need to just have a moment to connect with someone to pray. Otherwise, thanks for being at Timberline. Lots of tables in the mall. Love one another, and the service starts now. Go make a difference. <laughs>